Hello, thank you for tuning in and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our Monday morning show. We've really enjoyed bringing that to you, so continue to tune in and uh, and listen to us Monday morning. And uh, make sure you uh, go ahead and share that with your friends so they can start off the week right with some Utah State Aggie news. Uh, And of course, we we cover uh, basically everything else going on in the state and in the conference as well. So there's no better way to start your Monday morning, start your week off, uh, than with some local news from a Utah State Aggie source. There's no better way to, to start your week. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne, and I will be doing this show uh, on my own again. So again, just please bear with me while we while we fumble through this one. Let's let's just start right off with uh, with our own Utah State Aggies. Uh, they played the North Dakota Fighting Hawks in uh, what turned out to be a total thriller uh, of, a, of a game and of a night from start to finish. Uh, if you weren't at the stadium, if you weren't there, you really missed out on one of the most eventful games and one of the most eventful nights I've experienced in, in my time here at Utah State. Um, after we talk about the, after we talk about our game, we'll go over some of the uh, some of the other scores for uh, some of the in-state games and in the conference as well. Uh, but let's just go ahead and uh, let's focus on on Utah State what they were able to do over uh, over the weekend. So the night starts off with a lightning delay, uh, pushing back the the kickoff. It did not it did not affect the pregame festivities. Uh, we had a United States flag that covered the full length of the field. Uh, all of that was able to happen. The uh, the band was able to play the the Star Spangled Banner. All that was able to happen uh, right as we finished up the pregame. Um, before the teams were able to take the field is when they called a lightning delay. So the teams were ushered back into the locker rooms. Uh, we, we were told to evacuate the map. The students, shout out to the students, did not move at all. They all just kind of sat down. Bad idea. Probably should have gone home to take shelter. Luckily no one was hurt. But they they were, shout out to the students. They were awesome. They were so hyped. They were just like cheering and and. And just getting getting pumped up for the game throughout that lightning delay. Um, so after a while, we were finally cleared to play. Players returned to the field. We we kind of uh, we had to scrap some of the intro stuff. You know, we had uh, the flame towers. We were going to do a flame show. That stuff all got scrapped. And we just kind of bring the players out. They take the sidelines. Finally, ready to go. The the students obviously are still there. They never left in the first place. The fans, the community fans, um, kind of filed back in and start taking their seats. And the lights go out at Maverick Stadium. And I I was sitting there, and as soon as the lights go out, I knew. I was like, we're in trouble. It wasn't in my script. I knew it wasn't planned. But the students, I think the students and the players all kind of thought it was on purpose. Some of them after the game kind of th- said that they thought it was part of the pregame intro. It was definitely not. All the students kind of bring out, you know, get their flashlights out. And it's it, it has not stopped being... You know, it was just a nonstop party in the student section. They were super hyped. The players end up taking the field in the dark because they think it's on purpose, part of the intro, and it was totally not. So we finally, you know, have a second delay where we, you know, finally get the lights kicked back on. I've never seen a crowd of people so excited about light bulbs being turned on. Like every time there would be like an incremental increase in light, like another light bulb would flicker on or they would get a little bit brighter all of a sudden, the students would go nuts. Like it was just the craziest environment. It was a really, really great 
uh, experience and environment. I think the the Mav was uh, the Mav was rocking. It was packed, so I was really really happy with the students that came out and really brought the energy and brought the noise. The game kicks off, and North Dakota scores on the opening drive, and it was it was kind of a it was kind of a sucker punch. It kind of took the wind out of the this sales a little bit. But it was one of those things where we all kind of knew, like, look, the players are cold. North Dakota ran two trick plays on that first drive, um, and they just they just earned it. You know, they just went out there and they they scored pretty quick. And the idea was, you know, okay, we'll just we'll just go get another one. So Utah State takes over. Logan Bonner gets the start. Utah State scores on the first drive. So immediately after the first two possessions, at seven seven. Um, so you know we're back to square one, back at a tie ball game, and North Dakota scores again. You know, well, they, they get to the red zone, uh, they throw another trick play, we blow our coverage, they score a touchdown. So just like that, they have two touchdowns on two drives. You know, the energy starts to to dwindle, start to tail off a little bit because it's like, okay, uh, this FCS team just came in and scored at will. They just scored twice on us. Uh, without really any any resistance, so so Utah State's unable to answer that touchdown, and North Dakota scores again with a minute left in the first quarter. So the first quarter ends Utah State down twenty-one to seven to an FCS team, and it looked. Uh, I mean, North Dakota looked really good. I, I remember talking pregame with some guys that were downplaying North Dakota, and I was like, "You guys got to be careful. Like these guys are a top FCS team." And unfortunately, they proved me right, right out of the gate. They came out really playing well. So after the first quarter, uh, 21 to 7, the second quarter was all Utah State. Uh, Really, the rest of the game after that, Utah State really got going, especially in that second half. We did see some, a little bit of quarterback uh, rotating for Utah State. Um, Andrew Peasley. Andrew Peasley did come in for the last drive of the first half, I believe, and you know wasn't able to to really uh, get anything going, wasn't able to score or anything like that. Uh, afterwards, Blake Anderson kind of took responsibility for that, saying that you know mentioning that with the delays and everything, uh, Andrew Peasley hadn't thrown a ball in a couple hours, wasn't really uh, prepared, didn't know it was his turn to go out there, and and Blake Anderson kind of took responsibility for that uh, and said he needs to be better at letting Pease know when he's about to go. Um, but again, it just, it, to me, it showed that it was, it was very intentional to have Andrew Peasley take a couple drives. He ended up playing some in the second half, which we'll talk about, but it's, it's just this continuation of having two quarterbacks. And I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of it. Um, I know I'm not a big fan of it if it's not uh, executed perfectly, but Blake Anderson has been very, very, um, intentional, I think with. Uh, what he said and he's mentioned a few times almost in passing in different interviews saying like look I've seen two quarterback systems work before I've I've run them before I've played against them before I, I think coach Anderson is fond of at least playing with the idea of having two quarterbacks I think he's maybe not fully committed to that but he seems very into toying with that system and seeing how much he can get out of his backup quarterback where other teams and other other systems kind of disregard your backup and uh, use your backup quarterback as more of a reserve. But when you have somebody as electric as Andrew Peasley, 
I kind of like this idea that Blake Anderson's trying to get just as much out of him as you can. And that's that's what it takes to win football games, is you need to get as much from each individual player and each individual position group as you possibly can. And so if Andrew Peasley, I mean, that's kind of a waste of talent to have him sitting on the bench, uh, especially when he's so electric with in, in completely different ways from Logan Bonner. I mean, Logan Bonner, the gunslinger, goes out and he's dropping dimes. Like, he had some really, really great throws. Um, but when Andrew Peasley got in, he, um, when he, when he really got grooving, he ran for a touchdown with, you know, made it, making it look easy. So I like the dual quarterback or the pseudo dual quarterback system when it works, which Blake Anderson seems to have it working right now. I also like it more when it's not a 50, 50 split switching off drives. I like it much more as I've talked about on, you know, multiple shows at this point. I like it when you have Logan Bonner taking you know, a majority of the snaps, he's the guy, but you have Andrew Peasley who you can rely on to be instant talent, instant electricity coming off the bench. And not only that, he's very good at different things. Like he's great on his feet. So you have a complete different, you have another offensive system to use. I mean, it almost doubles your, uh, doubles your arsenal there when you can have uh, Andrew Peasley injected and uh, at times, it, at certain times and places throughout the game. So I really liked that um, in this game. So um, with that, yeah, let's talk about the second the second half because the second half is really where it blew up, uh, blew up for Utah State. Uh, the second quarter, like I said, was all Utah State. Uh, that's relatively speaking. When I say that, I really just mean that uh, North Dakota was prevented from scoring uh, in the second quarter. But Utah State still hadn't really blown it up yet. They just had uh, two field goals and then ended up getting a touchdown right there at the very end of the quarter. So we go into halftime, still down one, which you don't want to go into halftime losing ever. Sure, it worked for us last week. Sure, it worked for us this week against North Dakota. Um, but at the time, you go into you go in at halftime a little bit worried that, uh, that you're down one against an FCS school. Utah State came out at halftime looking like a completely different team. Okay, so they came out and... The third quarter, North Dakota actually did strike first. They they go out and they get a field goal. And then you have a touchdown pass to DT. You have a Calvin Tyler touchdown. You have a Derek Wright touchdown from Logan Bonner. And then to cap it all off, after going on a run and running the score up to 41-24, to Andrew Peasley with the cherry on top runs in a 59-yard touchdown to make the score 24 to 48. So Peasley runs in uh runs in a almost a 60-yarder to double the score of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. In the second half, Utah State outscored the North Dakota Fighting Hawks 3 to 27. So that second half was a completely different game. 3 to 27 in the second half as part of a 3 to 40 run. So Utah State after getting off to a rough first quarter outscores the Fighting Hawks 33-40 in the last three quarters of football. Excuse me, 41. So Utah State goes on a 3-41 point run to close the game starting at the end of the, at, out of the, after the first quarter. So after the first quarter, Utah State outscores the Fighting Hawks 41-3 with a final score of 24-48. I don't think anyone's disappointed in that game, uh, particularly with what we were able to see from, from the offense and the defense in the second half, they just looked so good. Um, and like I kind of mentioned, North Dakota, to score some of those first touchdowns, they were throwing the kitchen sink at us. They came out, and they weren't holding anything back. I think they ran three trick plays in their first two drives, 
Um, I think they ended up throwing like four trick plays in the in the entire game. They were really came, they really came out gunning. Um, but really, by the end of the game, the better team won. And like honestly, I was never worried because, like I've mentioned before, the funny thing about football games is the better team tends to win. And I knew that Utah State was the better team. I knew we were the bigger, stronger, faster team. I knew that Paul Jackson had our team in better shape. And so, no, I never was worried. I was never in doubt. I was worried about how we looked early in the in the first half. I was worried about our style of play in the first quarter. Uh, there were definitely elements of the game that worried me. But I, I, there was never a moment during this game, even going down 21-7, to where I really thought that we were going to lose this game. Because, you know... At the end of the first quarter, there's a lot of football to be played still. We were we were definitely the better team. One thing that's really interesting, and I only bring this up, um, I don't bring this up as a way to in any way belittle North Dakota. They are a really good team at their level. But you, you can't help but notice just the difference in the bodies of the guys at the FCS level and the group of five level. And I only bring this up because it makes last week's win against Washington State look, it makes it so much more impressive. It makes it look a lot better. Because that same difference that exists between FCS and Group of Five exists between the Group of Five and the Power Five. And again, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to continue to dwell on that Washington State game because we have a lot of good football ahead of us. We have a lot of wins in front of us. But at the end of the day, we went into Pac-12 country last week and we were able to beat a team that to Utah State kind of looked like the way Utah State looked to North Dakota this this week. Uh, you know, there's just, there's just a difference in recruits and the difference in facilities that they have to use. Uh, you could kind of tell. I mean, the, the North Dakota, the, the Fighting Hawks were, like I said, they were a great football team. Uh, I, I respect their program. Um, but their guys are just a little bit shorter. Their guys are a little bit smaller. Uh, you could tell as they were taking the field. Like I said, I was sidelined. I could see it, um, you know, right there on the right there in person as they were coming out of of the tunnels and warming up and everything like they are just a little bit smaller um they're just a little bit slower you saw that on a couple plays where uh you have you know you guys just in a dead sprint right next to each other and the utah state guy just edges edges out the north dakota guy that's just the difference between fcs and group of five and like i said the same difference exists between group of five and power five and so the the fact that we were able to go out there and last week was against Wazoo, we were the guys that just looked a little bit smaller, maybe looked a little bit slower or a, a little bit uh, weaker because we're you know we are a little bit of a smaller team going up against a, a group of five, a Power Five Pac-12 team, and so for us to be able to grit out that we that win week one, I think is almost even more impressive after you come home and and put the beat down just an honest beat down on North Dakota uh, because that's what was expected of us last week but to be on uh, but to be on the other side of it so when we go out and beat North Dakota 48 to 24 we were supposed to be on the other end of that week one and we weren't and so after week two, you, you you know, you take this Utah State team and you really have seen a lot. You know, you, you've seen them be on the, the right side of two wins um, that were supposed to look very, very different. Um, and so, you know, you had that week one, come from behind, come back where you win by three. You have the second game, which technically it was a comeback, but uh, it really ended up being a blowout in favor of Utah State. 
and just the the way the grit and the mentality that this team has I think is we'll learn more but it seems really it seems to be at a really high level these guys are really hungry to win these guys are hungry to prove a lot of people wrong and uh, they they have a lot of grit a lot of uh, tenacity and a, and a great great mindset I think um, and then that starts at the top that starts with coach Anderson um, as the head coach and coach Anthony Tucker on the offensive side and Ephraim Banda on the defensive side. I mean, it, it, Paul Jackson as well. And our great friend Chucky Keaton, he's up there too. We have uh, Coach Zuck and all those guys. Uh, they bring a great mindset and a great mentality to, to that locker room and to that team. And you can you can just see it on the, on the sidelines. You can see it. More importantly, you can see it in the game and the way these guys play uh, to go out and beat a team that's projected to be better than them. Um, to beat a team that plays at a higher level than them. And then to come back home and really just take care of business 28 to 40 24 to 48 at home against the Hawks um, that's exactly what you had to do so for them to just be be able to take care of business like that uh, you can really see a difference in the mentality of these guys other than Utah State so we'll talk a lot more about Air Force uh, this this upcoming Thursday show uh, so make sure you come back for that we're gonna we're gonna preview that game in depth they looked really really good last week against Navy um, so I, I we're we're about to find out if that Washington State game was a fluke. You know we'll we'll see as we start conference play. Air Force, Boise State, BYU. That stretch of games is going to teach us a lot more. Was that Washington State game a fluke or, or not? I think the North Dakota performance. That's what you'd expect. That's what that's what we got. So I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary there. But we're going to learn a lot more going forward. So with that said, let's take a look at some of the uh, the other teams that played in the conference. As I said, Air Force looked really good against Navy. And when I say uh, they looked good, I mean they looked good. They always have great uniforms when they play uh, other teams that participate in the uh, Commander-in-Chief Bowl. Um, so the other Armed Forces schools, uh, the Army and, and Navy, they played they played uh, Navy and they looked so good. They had the uh, uh, some uniforms inspi- inspired by the the B fifty two bomber, the the Strato Fortress as they call it. Um, though they the jerseys were so sick. Navy looked good too. I mean, just in terms of the uniform, because uh, Army, Navy, and Air Force just probably have the best uniforms in college football. Um, I love Utah State's jerseys honestly, and I think there's a lot of well dressed teams in the conference. But we're all fighting for second place after the Air Force Falcons. Um, and like, if you haven't seen them, look them up. They, they looked great against Navy. Um, uh, the uniforms, at least. But yeah, they, they ended up beating Navy 23-3, to really taking care of business. So they are 2-0 and on the season. So we're going to be going into an undefeated Air Force, playing them in their, uh, in their home stadium. And uh, so they, they looked good. Um, let's look at some of the other teams that played in the Mountain West. And then, of course, we'll talk about... Uh, that BYU-Utah game that happened, a somewhat significant game, some some might say. So we'll walk, uh, we'll, we'll just check on the, the rest of the conference. Boise State bounced back in a big way. Um, they came back and really took care of business against UTEP, uh, beating them 14, or excuse me, 54, 54-13 to 13 against UTEP. Big time win. Uh, they, they came out of that UCF game, I think, with a chip on their shoulder. And then I think Boise State, to be quite honest with you, is a little bit frustrated right now. Uh, they were left out of the Big 12 when uh, I think they wanted that invite. You know, obviously Houston, UCF, the opponent, their opponent from the previous week, BYU and Cincinnati getting that invite, Boise State being left out. I think they came out a little bit angry. They came out with a chip on their shoulder, and boy, did they show it. Uh, they took care of business against the Miners and, uh, you know, just beat them, beat, beat them down. 
uh, 54 to 13. Boise State is a team that you should just never doubt. If you ever doubt Boise, you're probably not paying attention. They don't have many bad years. So they're going to be a tough one here in the next couple weeks. Wyoming also uh, bounced back after barely beating an FCS Montana State. Last week, they came back and beat uh, Northern Illinois 50 uh, to 43. Giving up a lot, a lot of yards and a lot of points in that game, but scoring 50 as well. So doing what it takes to win. Um, Wyoming, like I've said, they're an interesting team. I thought they would be really good. Of course, getting a win this week, but also giving up 43. It's a really high scoring game. So we'll have to, you know, keep our eyes on Wyoming, see what they're able to do, especially when they start playing uh, some tougher competition within the Mountain West here in the next couple weeks when they start conference play. Uh, New Mexico beat New Mexico State. Uh, these are both teams that we play later on in the year, uh, really late in the year, actually. There's, they're two of our last few opponents. Um, New Mexico State is not a good program at all. Neither is New Mexico, uh, but they do get the win 34-25. Colorado State loses a tough one against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt uh, hits, a, hits a field goal at the very end of the game to win that game 24-21. to uh, A real heartbreaker for the Rams. Um, actually, there were two SEC schools playing in Colorado this week. Texas A&M played the Colorado Buffs, and they almost lost that game too. So the SEC uh, really had quite a scare in the state of Colorado this week. Um, but it, in the end, Vanderbilt did get it done against Colorado State. Um, an interesting bounce-back game for Colorado State, who uh, falls to 0-2 on the season, but really played a lot better in that second game. To lose to an SEC school by three is nothing to, uh, to beat yourself up about. Um, but keep in mind, they lost to South Dakota State the previous week, 42-23. to So uh, Colorado State, another team that we're just going to have to keep our eyes on and see what they end up looking like because I think uh, a little bit of a sporadic performance there in week one and two, uh, losing bad to an FCS school and then commanding a game against the uh, SEC school um, before ultimately losing that game. Uh, San Diego State came out and looked really good against the Pac-12 Arizona team. Arizona, uh, we talked about it last week, actually, as they played BYU. Arizona's not going to be probably a good Pac-12 team. Uh, they're going to end up in the bottom of the Pac-12. Um, but San Diego State came out, looked good. Uh, they they looked pretty bad, actually, last week in the first half, particularly against New Mexico State. Um, but San Diego State came out and looked fine, looked good. Um, definitely looking like the true-to-form Aztecs that we kind of are expecting. That's going to be a, a tough, uh, they're going to be a tough team this year. Uh, so they come out and beat thirty, uh, beat the Wildcats, Arizona Wildcats, thirty-eight to fourteen. Um, Fresno uh, beat up on the Cal Poly Mustangs. Um, they really took it to them, sixty-three to ten, um, in favor of Fresno State over Cal Poly. Fresno is going to be really, really good. They're actually receiving votes actually now to be in the top twenty-five. One of the uh, few Mountain West teams that are receiving votes. Um, we we kind of lucked out. We'll talk more about it. But we kind of lucked out with our our. In conference schedule this year, we don't play Fresno, we don't play Nevada, two of the tougher teams. We will play San Jose, um, who is the defending champions. They didn't play this week, so um, uh, not we didn't learn much more about them. But uh, we we really kind of lucked out on our on our in conference schedule. UNLV fell to Arizona State. Arizona State's a great Pac-12 team. They were ranked 23rd at the time um, in the country. UNLV lost 10 to 37. So uh, the Sun Devils just um, um, beating up on our on our Rebels. Um, Nevada, led by Carson Strong, like I said, we're pretty lucky not to have to play Nevada until hopefully in the championship game, uh, the Mountain West championship game. They beat Idaho State 49-10, to another one that they, you know, uh, another team that's just coming out and taking care of business, doing what they need to do. Um, 
And so Nevada, it's going to be fun to watch them when they start playing, uh, you know, some in-conference games to see what they can do, um, particularly against some of those uh, other West Coast teams like Fresno and San Diego State. But Nevada looks really, really good, 49-10, to 10, just taking care of business, doing exactly what we uh, expected them to do. Uh, and then Hawaii lost to Oregon State, 45-27. to 27. So nothing nothing particularly special there. We do play Hawaii this year. Hawaii falls to 1-2 and two on the season. Um, and then Nevada, I, I didn't mention they are two and also still undefeated. So with that, let's go ahead and take a look at the top twenty-five that was updated today. Um, this week's top twenty-five will include the, the BYU Cougars, who we will play in a couple weeks on October first. Uh, BYU did beat Utah, and honestly, I'm just gonna you know I I was watching that game, and I will say both of those teams look very very beatable. If if Utah State were to play. Uh, that Utah game, I'm really curious to see how that would have looked. Uh, Utah did not play their best ball, I don't think. I don't think they looked very good against BYU. Um, and BYU, you know, ultimately getting that win, but I'm I'm not convinced that they are unbeatable. I do not think we are... I don't think there's a single reason to think we don't win that game on October 1st. Uh, it could definitely go either way, obviously, but that is a beatable BYU team. Um, especially with the momentum that we will hopefully have at the time and how good we've looked. I think we will look really good by the time October rolls around. And hopefully uh, hopefully we'll beat the Cougars for the second time this season. If we could go 2-0 on Cougars, that would be fantastic. So BYU is 23rd in the in the rankings as they uh, as they get to 2 and 0 on the season beating Utah 26 to 17. So other other teams that are in the top 25 that are kind of relevant for us. I think that's really the only one that we're, you know, that's the only one we have on our schedule right now. Uh, kind of a lot of familiar names up there, a lot of opponents of Mountain West teams and things like that. If you remember, um, Oregon earlier this season played played Fresno State uh, from our, you know, from the Mountain West and got taken right down to the wire. They're now in the top, you know, they're now number four in the country. So, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of teams in the Mountain West that have caused a little bit of, you know, caused some headache for some of those top teams um, in, the, in the country. So uh, I, I really think that at least the top half of the Mountain West right now is an extremely competitive league. Uh, UCF is receiving votes. They, uh, they were the ones that beat Boise State last week in a tough one and a close one. Um, so yeah, I think the top of the Utah, uh, the top of the Mountain West can hang with anybody. Nobody in the Mountain West is ranked right now, but we do have some uh, some teams kind of kind of knocking on the door of becoming ranked. Um, the highest or the or the uh, best chance is probably Nevada, um, who's receiving votes, as well as um, Fresno State is, is right there as well. So next week for Nevada, uh, trying to get into that top twenty-five, trying to finally break in. Uh, they will play Kansas State, who's two and zero. So that could be a big win, a big uh, a Big Twelve win, which would be great. Uh, you know, great for Nevada's resume if they can pull that off. Fresno State, who's also receiving votes uh, this week, will play UCLA, who is thirteenth in the country right now. So that would be uh, that would be a huge win if Fresno State can pull that one off. They are definitely going to crack the top twenty-five, and honestly, if they even stay competitive in that game, they'll probably continue to receive votes. They they definitely won't get into the top twenty-five on a loss, um, but really, you just hope that they can go in and play competitive, uh, make the conference look good, represent the conference well, and if they get a win, they will probably um, they'll probably win the race of the Mountain West and get into the top twenty-five. Uh, Utah State is not going to be ranked for at least a couple weeks. I mean, I saw. I saw people kind of hoping to be receiving votes after the win against North Dakota. And, like, look, I was stoked when we beat Washington State. I was stoked when we beat down on North Dakota. 
but we're just not we're not there. We're not going to be receiving votes. We're not we're not even going to be in that conversation for another couple of weeks. If we can win the next two, the next two being Air Force and Boise, then we have a conversation. Then we're probably hoping to be either cracking the top twenty-five or at least close. But we we got to win the next couple first, um, and then obviously BYU, who may or may not be in the top twenty-five when we get around to them on October first. So uh, we really, uh, you know, this this stretch starting with Air Force. I've, I've said since the beginning, Air Force is going to define the season. Um, but I, I kind of think it's that whole stretch, Air Force, Boise, BYU. That's going to be a defining stretch. Like that's a tough stretch, and then you get a bye after that. So hopefully they can really just push through these next three games, uh, win two out of the three, three out of three, um, and really just set a just set a precedence for a good rest of the season. Uh, obviously, if they win the next three games, they're they're going to be ranked no problem. Um, honestly, if they win two of the next three, uh, you're you're probably you know looking at being in the top twenty five as well. Um, just so we know where where we're at as as a Utah State program. Don't think there's really anything else um, for uh, for for Utah State this week. Arizona State um, after beating UNLV, they uh, they jumped up to 19. So um, not that not that uh, UNLV is looking to boost their resume any anymore because they're uh, not going to be particularly relevant on the national stages here, but. Um, you know, losing to losing to an Arizona State team that's now in the top twenty is not going to look bad, um, and so hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Utah State can get some uh, get some marquee wins as well. Uh, like I said, the next three uh, the next three games are probably going to be the biggest marquee wins. Uh, hopefully, the the best chance we have to be ranked um, will be if we can win these next three games or two of the next three games. Um, Boise State before we play them. We'll play uh, Big 12, undefeated Big 12 team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, if they can win that game, maybe they're uh, a little bit more relevant on the national stage. Probably not ranked again, but, uh, you know, probably will start receiving votes. Uh, a 2-1 Boise State team with, a, with a, a one loss to UCF and a win against Oklahoma State looks pretty good. BYU ranked at 23. Before we get to them, we'll play Arizona State, actually, who's 19 in the uh, 19 in the nation right now. Uh, so that's actually a big, big matchup. 23 BYU, 19 ASU. Uh, and then they will play USF. Uh, so they'll play, yeah, Southern Florida. And then they come to Logan. So uh, honestly, if BYU can win a couple of those games, we uh, will have a great opponent to add to our resume. Hopefully a great win to add to our resume when we uh, uh, when we take the state crown on October 1st. Uh, real quick, let's also look at, at what Washington State was able to do. Uh, they beat Portland State 44-24. to um, So nothing crazy for Washington State. They play USC this week. Um, so we, we really kind of want Washington State to win as many games as possible. If they can win, uh, you know, if they win out, that's great. Uh, Washington State's going to be a really interesting team to watch because they're actually the only team that plays the three major programs in Utah. So they're going to be like the measuring stick for uh, for BYU, Utah, and Utah State because they're the only team that plays all three. And since Utah won't, won't play Utah State, we don't have a way to... Uh, you know, to get that in-state matchup. So really keep an eye on Washington State. Yeah, so that, that'll be a really interesting uh, opponent to watch if you're, you know, if you're looking at other teams to kind of follow along with this season. Uh, Washington State should be the top of the list because they're uh, a former opponent that we have. Um, you know, we beat that team. It's going to be a good one for a resume, so we're rooting for them anyways. Um, but it'll be especially interesting to watch what they do against the other in-state teams because that's uh, that, that'll be a great way to measure the, the in-state rivalries, I guess. Uh, kind of vicariously through them. So not a whole lot else going on. We will be back on Thursday really digging into 
the the upcoming weekend we'll be digging into that air force utah state game i'm really excited for it um, i know you know i'm excited for it i've told you a hundred times that i'm excited for this game uh, we'll kind of look around at the conference as well look at uh, what the possibilities are for the conference um see if it's you know see if there's anybody that could crack the top 25 see what the top of teams in the conference are doing and what they're going to do this weekend so be sure to tune back in on thursday we will uh We'll be back with tons of Utah State talk. We'll be uh, we'll be really breaking down that Air Force game. Um, how will uh, Ephraim Bonda be able to defend against a triple option? We'll find out. But before we do, we'll talk about it on Thursday. So uh, be sure to tune in. Um, if you like the show, share the show, rate the show, follow us on Twitter. You know, engage with us. If you have any questions, hit us up. Let us know. Uh, we really uh, we really enjoy hearing from you guys. Uh, we like knowing what you guys want to hear, so that we can give you guys what. Uh, exactly what you guys want so thanks again for listening thanks for tuning in um and uh we'll be back we'll be back thursday if you haven't already the next two home games are boise state and byu make sure you're buying your tickets i'm serious after the game on friday you do not want to miss a single game the atmosphere was electric after being poured on the students were absolutely out of their minds they were so loud after like you know after delay after delay and just terrible weather they were still out there and it was a great environment um, and it's only going to get better. So if you haven't already bought your tickets, get your tickets and be at those games. Be loud. Uh, wear blue or whatever color you're supposed to on any given night. Um, but yeah, we'll be back Thursday to talk about uh, the upcoming Air Force Falcons game, which is always a fun game, always a tough game. Uh, we'll be back for that. Thanks again. Go Aggies.